This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Both consumers and companies see the value of having rewards point systems. In some cases, it will help increase the number of times a person will shop with that company. In others, it rewards a customer who is already loyal for their repeated visits. But the rewards themselves are sometimes a tricky proposition for companies. They have to somewhat thread a needle as to what are the right levels to provide rewards and what types of rewards as well. So when companies make it harder to gain rewards, you can imagine that there can tend to be a bit of a backlash. And this has happened to companies like Best Buy, Dunkin', and Starbucks within the last year. To talk more about this, pleasure to be joined uh, once again by Raghu Iyengar, who is a marketing professor here at the Wharton School. He is also co-editor of the Journal of Marketing Research. We will get uh, Raghu on the line here in just a second uh, to discuss this uh, because uh, as somebody that has a couple of rewards uh, programs that I use for places like Starbucks and Dunkin', uh, this is a uh, this is an interesting little dynamic uh, that uh, we um, uh, that you have in play here uh, for a company like Best Buy to kind of uh, lay the groundwork here. Best Buy changed their rewards program so that you had to have a Best Buy credit card in order to gain the rewards points. You could not use another company's credit card when you went to Best Buy to buy a computer or TV, etc. And that had an impact, you would think, to the downside on the numbers of people that would want to use the program and let alone go to uh, Best Buy to be able to uh, use that uh, type of a program. Uh, So we're going to be talking with uh, Raghu uh, in just a second uh, once we get him on the line having an issue, it sounds like, with his line. We'll get it squared away uh, coming up in uh, just a second. Uh, but uh, it, it's an interesting dynamic, not only for a company like Best Buy, but then when you think about companies like Dunkin' and Starbucks as well, uh, that they are a little bit of a different animal here because the expectation is you're going to see consumers on a more frequent basis to begin with because uh, they uh, have uh, connections uh, with uh, consumers uh, on a uh, very frequent basis. Um, so we, okay. All right. We've got Raghu on the line right now, so we will uh, get him squared away. Raghu, great to talk to you again. How are you? Yes. Hey, Dan. How are you? Okay. Great. Great that we got that all squared away. Thanks for your time. Uh, all the best to you. Thanks very much. And, and so this issue of rewards programs and companies changing them, I would think that the, the potential is it could do them more harm than good at times. No, I think you got it right. I was listening to your introduction a little while ago. And indeed, you know, the the key thing, of course, is for any company, changing habits is hard uh, for their consumers. And you can imagine, you know, for those of us who go to Starbucks or Dunkin' and Best Buy was also mentioned, uh, clearly we have uh, perhaps a habitual pattern. And they're hoping that those habits, uh, perhaps with the start of these rewards, will actually culminate um, in some kind of goodwill from the company. So changing those habits is hard. But having said that, you know, reward programs are one of many things that companies are thinking about in terms of their own profitability. And so I think it's a tight balance. On the one hand, of course, you want to continue the rewards that you have set up. 
kind of continue to, in some sense, nudge consumers to buy. But at the same time, you know, the economy has been tough uh, with the yep. interest rates going up. Uh, they have to also start thinking about, they meaning the company, also has to start thinking about what else can be done. How much then do these companies focus on the the amount of rewards that they want to give out? And, and I guess what that premium is, how, you know, yeah. how much do you have to buy at a store over a period of time to be able to get a free coffee or, you know, something along that line? So quite honestly, I mean, I think many of these companies, I've talked to a few of them, they do some uh, consumer research to kind of see what consumers would like. Uh, some of them have suggested, and I think, uh, I believe Duncan also had come out uh, with a report which suggested that, uh, you know, consumers value flexibility um, in terms of what they can redeem. Um, so one of the things which um, I guess hasn't gotten a lot of notice in some of these reward changes is that they have increased the breadth of what you can get and how you can get it. Uh, so, for instance, I believe, uh, and, and don't quote me on it, but I believe that uh, one of these reward programs now, yes, getting that first cup of coffee might be uh, a little bit harder in that more points are needed, but you can get uh, some, a sandwich or a bagel or something of that nature much before yeah. that. So I think they're trying to increase the flexibility. But for a company like Best Buy to make the change that they made yeah. in terms of requiring consumers to have a company-branded credit card in order to get the rewards, that that's almost Best Buy asking uh, you know to get the benefit on two fronts. They're obviously getting the, the people to come in and shop, but they'll only give the rewards points out if you're using their credit card in the first place. No, that is a hard one to rationalize. So the only way I could think about it is perhaps they have a deal. I believe Citibank is the card that's issuing the um, is the bank that's issuing the card, and so Best Buy I would imagine uh, gets a cut uh, from Citibank in terms of consumers who sign up. I would also imagine that uh, you know once somebody signs up for a credit card, you get information across a wide range of their purchases and spending. Uh, which you may not have if you only have a loyalty card. So I can imagine that they probably went through this trade-off of saying, look, the cut that we're getting from Citibank versus the loyalty that we've built up with our consumers. And, you know, Best Buy is a different kind of beast, so to speak, than compared to, let's say, buying coffee. And so one has to think carefully about, you know, what is the frequency of purchases? Uh, Is having that loyalty card worth more so than perhaps the deal that they might be getting from Citibank? And you would think that, you know, when companies are making these changes to begin with, they have to, to a degree, expect there's going to be some level of blowback against them because the reaction of different consumers is going to be different. Some people are going to kind of roll with the punches. Others are not going to be happy with it. Yeah, no, I think great point. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, the word that we often use in marketing is this idea of heterogeneity, which is people differ. Um, and I would imagine that people who are perhaps very loyal uh, to Starbucks or Best Buy or Dunkin, as the case might be, uh, some of them uh, might actually kind of roll with the punches because it's, the habit is so ingrained in them. Whereas other people who perhaps were just getting to know the brand, uh, perhaps were building up that habit, uh, now have a reason to perhaps latch on to another retailer. And so I think time will tell in terms of which consumers end up kind of sticking with these companies versus not. Uh, But I think in the larger scheme of things, uh, I again go back from a company's perspective, 
they have to balance many different aspects of how to engage with consumers on the one hand, but of course kind of looking at alternative sources of revenue on the other. But when you look at at rewards programs in general, Raghu, yeah. do you do you expect that like restaurants and and those types of uh, of companies are going to do better in general in terms of the level at which the consumer comes to them because you know if you're going to Dunkin chances are you go to Dunkin all the time if you're going to Starbucks chances are you're going to Starbucks there aren't all, there isn't a lot of crossover there so there is a, a level of, of familiarity with their customers in the first place no, indeed. I mean, I think that's, uh, if you think back to why reward programs started, one is, of course, to engage consumers more so because they feel part of kind of, you know, their habit is now changed into something that they can actually get more points for and redeem those. You know, airlines, for example, one of the early ones. And so if you think about, you know, why the rewards were there, it was to start engaging consumers. Now, of course, another way to think about these rewards is trying to maximize not just the absolute amount of money, but also the share of wallet, so to speak. And so the hope would be that, you know, somebody who is creating a habit for Dunkin' is perhaps looking to eat at Dunkin', uh, maybe not just for that cup of coffee, but something else as well. And so it's in that spirit uh, that Dunkin' has perhaps uh, increased the breadth of rewards that you can get. And I would say the same for Starbucks as well. I think Best Buy, again, going back to what you were asking earlier, is still a puzzle. But the other two, I think, given the breadth of their rewards, I think they're probably trying to maximize the share of, quote-unquote, eating opportunities not just the yeah. drinking opportunity. It seems like the, that rewards programs have obviously provided a, a, a significant value to the consumer as they have been out here over the last couple of decades. Are, are there elements, though, that as you look at it, that can even be changed, tweaked, improved upon, you know, to try and expand the level of connection that these companies are having with their consumers? Yeah, I mean, there are many, I think, if you think about, and again, some of them may uh, end up becoming, uh, quote-unquote, a shot in the dark. Some of them are perhaps things for the future. So Starbucks, for example, recently, um, and again, Starbucks is one of those companies that has been uh, very much in the press for how, uh, you know, careful they are with their reward programs, how consistent they have been. They recently started something with the NFTs. Um, Again, it's not quite clear to me. Uh, where uh, where the connection is, but perhaps they're trying to experiment with different things. So to me, I think anything that uh, allows companies to understand what consumers are looking for in terms of more engagement with the company, uh, what consumers are looking for in terms of becoming advocates for the brand, uh, so anything that helps them perhaps, uh, A, showcase their own uh, kind of loyalty to the brand, but also spread the word. Uh, so yeah. to speak, with their friends. I think those are all changes which will be positive in the long run. How much How much then do, do these companies really have to look at maybe even what the other company is doing in terms of their rewards? And I'll say that, you know, a full disclosure here, I have rewards apps for both of these restaurant companies we've been talking about. And, yeah. and the, the, the point value for one of them is significantly better than the other. I'll just leave it at that. I won't tell which is better, but it's still, you know, I think you want to watch what your competition is doing to train better them wherever you can. No, I think uh, point well taken, which is, again, if you think back to uh, the discussion we just had about, you know, the share of wallet versus, you know, some people having a habit just to go to one versus the other, I think the uh, substantial number of people who are quote-unquote in the middle, 
you know, people like yourselves, where uh, yeah. who perhaps find appeal in both companies. I mean, I'm just taking uh, Starbucks and, and Dunkin', let's say, as an example. Uh, and now are sort of caught in the middle in terms of which way should I go? And I think yeah. what many of these companies are thinking about as well is what can they do to attract people in this middle crowd, so to speak? Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, they also have to manage their own portfolios as well. So while looking at competition is, of course, something that the company should be doing, I still remember, you know, in a very different context, uh, you know, we used to work with Electronic Arts, the gaming company. And so it's got nothing yeah. to do with its rewards per se. But I remember when we were talking with them and they basically said, you know, looking at competition is good, but you know, that sometimes distracts you because you want to focus on what your consumers are, how your consumers are engaging with you and what can you yeah. do to provide them benefit. So, yes, you should look at competition, but perhaps not overly kind of go out there and make that as the um, as a reference point, but perhaps think about what your consumers want and start from there. Raghu, great to talk with you as always. Thanks very much. Thank you, Dan. Pleasure having you. You, you as well. Raghu Iyengar, a marketing professor here at the Wharton School and co-editor of the Journal for Marketing Research. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.